Hello and welcome back to the How to Become a Doctor podcast. I'm Lucy, a fourth year medical student at the University of Cambridge, and on this podcast we bring you all the information we wish we knew when applying to medicine. You're interviewing inspiring guests in the healthcare world and talking to organisations including the King's Fund and GMC who will share our experiences and teach you how to become a doctor. As always, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at How to Become a Doctor with Doctor Spelt DR to keep up to date with everything we're doing. So, without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another excellent episode, if I do say so myself. So, today I'm joined by Dr. Elizabeth Ratcliffe, who is a clinical research fellow in gastroenterology. So, our whole episode today is going to be focusing on this specialty. So, without further ado, can I ask you to introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes. Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Elizabeth Ratcliffe. I go by Lil normally. I'm a specialty trainee registrar, was the old term for it, in the northwest of England. I'm currently out of programme, so I left at about the level of ST5, so sort of midway through my registrar training. And I'm currently out of programme doing research into a condition called Barrett's esophagus, but we can chat about that later if you're into it, Lucy. Yeah, so at the moment I'm doing some research. A couple of other bits that might be helpful for you to know about me. I was the last chair of the British Society of Gastroenterology Trainees Committee. Been heavily involved with the BSG over the years. I do some local leadership roles as well. Currently sitting on a sustainability and climate change working group with the BSG and a number of different sort of leadership roles as well. So a bit beyond what I do in terms of my day-to-day research. I'm not sure how you have time for all of that, to be honest. <laughs> Very impressive. I'm sure we'll come on to a lot of those as we as we go through sort of how you've ended up in your various positions. But I guess just to get us started, do you mind telling us what gastroenterology actually is for some of our listeners who perhaps haven't heard of it before? Yeah, so gastroenterology is a really broad specialty. Essentially, I'm not trying to be too anatomical about it, but we cover everything essentially from the mouth to your bottom. And we also cover the liver, the biliary tree, the pancreas. So essentially the full bowel, apart from the mouth and the pharynx, which would be covered by our ENT colleagues. And sometimes they sneak the upper third of the esophagus, but that is kind of ours as well. And yeah, main thing is the full bowel stomach, liver, pancreas, and how that interacts with other parts of our body. So gastroenterology, I would say, is an extremely multi-system specialty. Although we are focused on the bowel and the liver, we do interact with lots of other areas of medicine and surgery particularly. So it's a really broad specialty. Yeah. And how is it that you came to decide to do gastroenterology? Did you always have a fascination from everything from the mouth to the butt? Or was it just, <laughs> what what so, actually drew you to it? So probably not consciously having a fascination of everything from the mouth to the bottom, as you so eloquently put it there, Lucy. So I guess I came about it in a bit of a strange way. But I can talk you through it a little bit as long as it's yeah, not please. too dull for your listeners. But basically, I started... I suppose going way back, I got into the idea of being a doctor from, I was pretty good at exams when I was at school. I really loved science and I really loved the problem solving and the biology side of things. So somebody at my sixth form college interview was like, I think you're doing really well at your exams. You should think about doing law or medicine. 
And at the time I was like, oh, I like medicine, I'll go for that, <laughs> which sounds a bit ridiculous, but it really was. That's actually the one I prefer out of those two, which sounds nuts. But anyhow, I then took up a little post doing a weekend job at a hospital um, and I'm working in a labour ward and a maternity department. Just loved being in a hospital, which is quite strange to a lot of the public. That sort of it kindled my interest in acute things. So in a labour ward, it's obviously quite dramatic and there's things that happen very quickly. And compared to some of my friends who were working in a shop and working in the supermarket and things like that, going to work and then knowing that you'd end up in an operating theatre at the drop of a hat was quite thrilling. And then I went to university in Nottingham and throughout my university years, I kind of knew that I wanted to do something in internal medicine rather than surgery. And I think you kind of get a feel for that quite early on in your medical years. Not everybody does, and it is possible to still change your mind, but I certainly think I wanted a bit more of the internal medicine side of things, the complex interaction between the different medical conditions and I sort of pointed myself down that way, but I was still very broad minded. At uni, I got a bit of an interest in anaesthetics because of the acuity. And I met a really interesting consultant who said, essentially, you need to decide on your specialty by how happy the consultants are. And she said the anaesthetists were the happiest consultants. So that sort of piqued my interest a little bit at one point too. But still sort of went back to the internal medicine side of things and that really came to I guess ahead when I started working as a doctor now my university was an excellent university but we didn't really we weren't well prepared in those days for what being a junior doctor was and I was still doing clerkings where I was sort of getting to the end of the examination and leaving it a little bit there not really getting onto the management plan and the things like that so when we started as junior doctors we were pretty hairy I'd say at that stage and it was a very steep learning curve. I started working in Brighton and though it was a steep learning curve and really stressful at points, I really enjoyed being on call, which a lot of people don't. And I completely understand I'm probably a bit strange for that. But what I enjoyed about it was things happened quickly. I was a, a very early junior doctor, but things mattered when I made decisions and there was a bit more ownership over your own impact on things yeah so I really got into that and there was a lot of medical patients that would be quite complicated quite sick and mm. you start seeing when you're on call a lot of sick gastro patients but also you see lots of like sweet little old ladies in the middle of the night and particularly if you're down in Brighton there's a lot of uh, very sweet older folk down there so I kind of got into both seeing the acute side things happening very quickly but also kind of holistically treating my patients and sitting down having a chat with somebody in the middle of the night calming them down if they're confused things like that so it's a bit of a roundabout way of saying I didn't really know what I wanted to do through the first few years of yeah. work I liked what appeared to be quite different things so very holistic kind of yeah. chatty medicine but then also the sharp end of the knife with things going off very quickly so then I went through foundation years did a bit of traveling did a bit of work as a fellow post doing internal medicine to see which mm. kind of part of it I liked and eventually came back to Brighton to do what was called core medical training then 
which is now IMT or internal medicine training. And that's lots of different jobs in different medical specialties and you do some quite complicated exams. And during that time, I met some really good friends down in Brighton, I was back in Brighton again then. And a couple of those were gastro regs. And not only were they really sound, they started piquing my interest. They were like, this is a really interesting specialty because you get to do lots of the holistic side of things, but also you get to do procedures and you get to see really sick patients. Yeah. So I was like, that sounds cool. But I didn't have any jobs in gastro. So they put me in touch with an amazing consultant down there. I don't know if we name drop on here, but go on, go on. Dr. Susie Green, and I've told her this before, she's amazing, but she was great. She sort of mentored me a bit down in Brighton, allowed me to come in and watch her doing endoscopy. And it was just great because sometimes you've kind of got to see it to be it. And she was a woman doing gastroenterology, being really great at it. And a couple of things that were really important to me or modelled really well for me were the fact that she was first of all an incredible endoscopist and still is she's amazing technically really brilliant but one thing that when I went in to watch her do endoscopy was that she was talking to her patients while she was doing the colonoscopy which just had that holisticness about it yeah it was just like yeah of course the person's awake you can talk to them and that's not to say that not every other gastroenterologist wasn't but I'd been to some conferences and watched some live endoscopy and stuff by that point and I didn't see that kind of connection it's a different environment I suppose but I, stuff I'd watched before didn't seem to have that so I just thought she was really cool and she was also really nice and still is really nice so that always helps especially if you're a junior or a medical student if you get a, a mentor or a, a trainee or somebody that just gives you a bit of time it's it really like makes you interested in something. So yeah, big up Susie Green, Dr. Susie Green, sorry, she say, give her a full title. So she was really cool. So that she gave me lots of tips about how to build my CV because I hadn't yeah. done any gastro jobs. I had nothing in terms of audits and stuff like that. So then I had to work quite hard to get things together. And that's really where it started. So that was a long answer, Lucy. Uh, sorry no. for wittering yeah. on. <laughs> I think it's really interesting to hear. I think... A lot of people either have the stereotypical answer of why they want to do medicine in that, oh, you know, from the age of five or their parents have gone into it. But I think it's actually nice to mention how typical it is for sort of teachers at school to suggest law or medicine, because I think those are typically the two options that they suggest if you're doing well. Yeah, exams. basically, or you're doing all right, yeah. go for one of these. Yeah. And it doesn't work out for everybody. And lots of people <laughs> no, of get course forced not. down an um, academic route like that that they're not really interested in. So you do need a big passion for it. And I was lucky yeah. to like going into hospitals. Otherwise, yeah. maybe I'd be a lawyer now. We don't know. There you go. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's also interesting as well, because I'm in the same position as perhaps you were when you were at medical school in terms of thinking, oh, gosh, surgery. Mm, no. <laughs> I think with medicine, it's just, I'm very chatty. I think that's what it is. I feel like what you said just now about how in endoscopy you could actually chat to your patient because they're awake. I don't know how I'd feel if I just didn't get to chat to people all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need to be uh, yeah fair to our surgical colleagues. Most of the surgeons I know or work with are excellent communicators and you do <laughs> need to be really good at communicating to be a surgeon as well. It's just a bit when you're 
probably doing most of your operating you're not connecting with the patient in that way but you need to build their trust before yeah. but I think you do sort of there are different types of people and I don't like to other I, I hate this kind of putting people oh you're definitely in that kind of box of yeah. what that person should be because actually that's kind of one of the things that was really cool about that mentor for me was she didn't fit the typical mold of what I thought of as a gastroenterologist yeah. so we should be making sure that lots of different varieties of types of people do go into certain roles so we don't all end up being stereotypes of ourselves but it is also important to start to narrow things down probably in medical school one way or the other moreover that you've got less time to work out what you want to do less flexibility in terms of changing your mind later on and also there you need more and more on your applications for the positions as they come up yeah really scary yeah it is (laughs) (laughs) so when you were talking just then you mentioned a couple of things about gastroenterology that I think it'll be really interesting to delve into so first sort of thing you mentioned that it's got both this holistic side and it's got quite an acute side so I was wondering and then you also mentioned endoscopy as well so I was wondering Mm. if we could consider those aspects and maybe chat through perhaps what you do in each of those maybe in a typical week typical day yeah of course so I think and I said this on the when I've done talks about this to people before that I think that gastroenterology is I think it's the most varied specialty and for somebody, like I've already mentioned, that I liked a lot of different things, didn't yeah. really know what I wanted to do. And actually, it's a good specialty for that in the sense that you can make a career out of it in a lot of different ways. So you can be almost a pure endoscopist. Mm-hmm. So endoscopy is essentially putting cameras into orifices to diagnose, treat and investigate certain things. So a lot of endoscopy, which used to be putting a camera in to look inside to diagnose something, there's a big movement now that we're moving a lot more towards therapeutic endoscopy. So a lot of the work that we do is, yes, we're going to look inside, but also we're taking off polyps, we're trying to prevent disease in people in the future. My area of interest in my research is a condition called Barrett's esophagus, which is a condition that can lead on to being a type of gullet cancer. And when we pick up early changes in the gullet, we can do endoscopic treatments to prevent cancer of the gullet, which has horrible outcomes when when it's advanced. So it's very difficult to treat, I should say, when it becomes advanced. So there's really exciting areas of endoscopy coming, well, already in place. So we do a lot of things at the end of the endoscope so you can also go into the bile duct clear out bile duct stones I haven't learned to do that yet but it's something that perhaps I'll give you a look at at some point but it you sort of have to think about the type of endoscopist you want to be a bit more now you not everybody can do everything so yeah a very common thing like I've mentioned already is going into the colon taking off colonic polyps which can then grow into being colon cancer so there's a lot of what we call bowel cancer screening that happens so you do get people in from the community, you do a colonoscopy to look for cancer, but also take off precancerous lesions. So gastroenterology is a really practical specialty. We do a lot of other things that are a bit more 
off the wall. So capsule endoscopy is a thing. So you're not actually directing the camera. The camera gets swallowed on a tiny little pill. Yeah. Um, and then uh, that takes loads of pictures and you have to sit there for a while looking at the pictures and detecting little tiny bleeding points, little polyps in the small bowel, looking for ulceration for small bowel Crohn's. So that's all really cool. And it's only going to get even more mad and 21st century futuristic like there's lots of artificial intelligence coming into endoscopy so helping to detect polyps with artificial intelligence is a huge area of research at the moment and same again with my area of interest detecting those changes in the barrettes might come in with ai at some point and robotics will come into the world of endoscopy i don't doubt very soon yeah so it's really exciting to get involved in in endoscopy so you can have that kind of career where you focus very much on endoscopy but most gastroenterologists in fact pretty much all of us will train in endoscopy at least some people further down in their careers will drop endoscopy and focus on research or more clinical stuff but it is a big part of your job so you do need to be interested in procedures and have some aptitude but I spoke to a consultant once because I was getting a bit nervous about starting doing gastro training having not had a gastro job and I said have you ever had anyone that couldn't learn endoscopy and I think he said maybe one in his career but that was a very unusual occurrence so if it's something that you're interested in most people will build an aptitude to it and there's really good training pathways for it and supported training yeah that's that's endoscopy that's one very key area of gastroenterology that interests a lot of people but our job is much wider than that yes so we're physicians we deal with conditions which affect people throughout their lives so from pediatrics all the way up into elderly care and go from the very complicated and lifelong conditions like inflammatory bowel disease to things that will affect somebody very rapidly like a gastrointestinal bleed and that can cause them you know can be very high risk for, for killing them so you go from one extreme which is the hyperacute, to the, the very chronic and complex yeah. so that's where the holistic stuff comes in and there's a lot of communication required in this specialty and there's a really great book by a woman called Dr Susan O'Sullivan who is a neurologist and her book is called It's All in Your Head, Journeys in Psychosomatic Illness. Or I'm, I'm not super happy about the title, but the book is phenomenal. And she's a neurologist and she spent a lot of her years working with functional problems of neurology. And her sort of take home message is that most of us will deal with a lot of functional problems within any medical specialty. So by functional, I mean, and that's kind of a controversial term nowadays but functional means that it's not attributed to a organic pathology or disease like you've got diarrhea that isn't because of inflammatory bowel disease or something else like that but it is the way that the gut moves and the gut responds to food and the way that the gut interacts with your the nervous system of the gut so we have a lot of functional problems within gastroenterology and they're now termed disorders of gut brain access so that's what I mean about you've got a nervous system within your gut that tells the gut when to contract there's hormones that are involved in that process and a bit like and I'm sure Lucy you've had some exams where you felt like you need to rush to the toilet before 
so that's a physical gut symptom of a psychological problem. And whether people are conscious of it or not, there is an interaction between how your gut functions and how your mind and your brain are functioning as well. And also a huge area of gastroenterology is that now looking at the bugs that live within our gut, our microbiome, and how that interacts with all of the things that I've just talked about. And in order to treat those kind of conditions effectively, you need to be an excellent communicator because these are concepts that are difficult for us to understand as as physicians, let alone for patients. And for many years, we as physicians have put things down to being all in people's heads or just IBS and things like that. And we're bad at contemplating the breadth and complexity of these things and communicating that to our patients. So it's a really important area of gastroenterology to be a good communicator. Yeah, I don't think I'd even properly considered how broad of a specialty it is. I don't know whether I got put off by sickness and diarrhea and sort of just went, oh, no, that's not for me. (laughs) <laughs> but I hadn't properly considered all of these different parts of this. Like there's a huge research area with all the things that you've just mentioned with AI, oh microbiome, so, so much. And again, with those practical skills, I feel like it really is an interesting specialty that I probably shouldn't have dismissed this. Mm. The, the thought still of time, Lucy, yeah. still time. Don't worry. And there's plenty of ways to get interested. But this is the thing. It's, that's what it is to me. It's like I still, you know, I'm quite well into my registrar training but I know that my future has lots of different options and that's the great thing about gastroenterology I'm still fascinated by the liver and I'm very passionate about how we treat as a profession Mm -hmm. and this comes back to the holisticness how we treat as a profession and as a society people who have alcohol misuse disorder and when they turn up with liver disease in hospital how they're treated and how we look after them and why we don't always escalate them to intensive care and things like that and that's a big mm. passion of mine so that's a whole you yeah. know hepatology we've not even barely touched on yeah. it's huge and those things will start to separate out a bit more and, and the way that things are going with how we do our training there'll be a bit more of a focus that halfway through your training you'll either put yourself forward for some advanced liver training or yeah. you'll have advanced what we call luminal which just means is it within that black hole between the mouth and the bottom (laughs) and is there a specialist pancreatic training as well or not specifically but people become sort of interested in some specialty areas and that's what kind of is needed because it's such a broad specialty Mm. that lots of gastroenterologists do subspecialize but there are still lots of people that work within district general hospitals that have a very broad clinic where they see lots of different patients and we'll see some liver we'll see some inflammatory bowel disease but the thing that we know in terms of things that have changed in gastroenterology particularly in inflammatory bowel disease so Crohn's disease ulcerative colitis for your listeners is that our treatments are becoming very advanced and quite complicated and though really safe Mm. are take a lot more subspecialty attention to decide on where we go with different treatments because they are immune suppressant agents. So so there is a a great breadth of work there and lots of different options within gastroenterology. So I I think it's amazing. So I'm gonna challenge you now to try and think of something perhaps you don't like so much about gastroenterology because I know you've come from somewhere where you've not necessarily been set on it your whole life. So 
I know we sort of touched on things that you were considering as well, but was there anything that you feel like gastroenterology is missing or is it, is it perfect for you? It's perfect, obviously. <laughs> not biased I'm not being, I'm not biased. No, oh, no, there's definitely challenges okay. and it isn't the right thing for everybody. Yeah. Now I say this about, you know, being able to subspecialize and I do have such as some of my supervisors are very much research based and don't do so much high acuity ward based and endoscopy based so you so you can as a consultant do what we call bleed rotors so you'd be on call for GI bleeds overnight and at the weekends and I guess the main problem Mm. and I will call it a problem with all general medicine specialties at the moment are they are supremely understaffed so there are huge workforce issues across the NHS in all specialties and in all fields and all multidisciplinary areas but particularly in internal medicine specialties we need a lot more doctors doing these things and so for the time being whilst we're waiting for your generation of very passionate new gastroenterologists to come through which I hope we will inspire some to come through is that it's going to be hard for a while to meet the demand so there is a big expansion in our workload as well as greater demand there's more things that we want to do we want to prevent more disease we want to prevent more cancer so we want to do more endoscopy so we want to do much more complicated work with our patients of different conditions and that's a big workload so it can be stressful is the main thing with gastroenterology. You've got a lot of conditions and complex conditions to learn about Mm. and manage with a lot of difficult, challenging experiences for your patients. So Mm. again, coming back to that holisticness, it can be quite draining for you as a clinician, like in lots of medical specialties where you get kind of, you take a bit of it home with you. So you get sick patients that make you feel sad or you've got people that, you know, complex chronic diseases that are difficult to manage. And that can be quite hard. So there's quite high levels compared to other medical specialties of burnout in our specialty. Um, But saying that, I am optimistic that things will get better. Yeah. And what we need is people like yourself to get inspired about gastroenterology, come and work with us, come and work in internal medicine. And understand that it's not all being a medical registrar. There is so much that is there that is wonderful and exciting and at the cutting edge of of medicine for people to get involved in. Yeah. So if anyone's listening to this and they're thinking, oh, maybe gastroenterology is for me, do you have any advice for what they should do next, what they should do to help like start their application? Yeah. So do what a bit of what I did, which is find someone local to you who is a gastroenterologist or a specialty trainee. They might be quite busy, but most of us are passionate about what we do. So you know when I was saying about kind of burnout and stuff, they do a lot of the census data from the Royal College of Physicians. And gastroenterology always scores really highly for consultants and trainees being excited about their own specialty. It's usually like 80, 90%. So that's really good so we are usually extremely passionate about talking about it getting you involved in things there's people like me who need extra pair of hands for audit projects or quality improvement projects or research projects so I would find someone who you like who is you know your local 
person who is interesting and nice and will get you involved in some stuff and just ask can I come and watch some endoscopy can I have a chat with you about some projects and when you start doing little projects you start learning more about the conditions that you're looking at so I got into Barrett basically because a guy I worked with was writing or got offered to write a book chapter about so how you can use like normal medications to prevent cancer and he was like do you want to have a go at doing some writing for this and I got really into it so the more you learn about something the more interesting it becomes so there's lots of us who are looking for enthusiastic extra pairs of hands for our projects so do that we at the BSG and it's actually next week we have a taster course in gastroenterology I probably shouldn't say it's next week but it's usually the first weekend in December which is it's called the taster course in gastroenterology at the moment we've been doing it virtually but you normally you pay a bit of money to go down to London and spend a weekend where you get to hear from people about how to get the application do the application you get to play with some endoscopy simulators you get to do some learning with like an acutely unwell GI bleed patient but get a bit of a an idea about gastroenterology and that was one of the things that I actually did all those years ago was went to that course as well and that really helped me focus on gastro being the one that I wanted to do so a couple of ideas look at the BSG we are hoping to launch a bit more of a focused BSG area for undergrads something I've been trying to set up with some great and very passionate undergraduate students to try and get a bit more focus in the medical school kind of generation and get them passionate about gastro but honestly there's so much to learn about and get into just get learning about it because it is you know it's something that like you said not many people understand it very well and understand the amount that's going on yeah okie dokie then wow Thank you so much for your time. I've really learned a lot and I feel like I need to go onto my gastro ward with a new insight and really get started <laughs> now. Good. But yeah, and I'm also happy to be contacted by people as well. So if people want a bit more information about how to get into gastroenterology, then let me know. I can direct you towards loads of interesting videos and like learning stuff. And the BSG website's got loads of stuff. You can become a taster member for a little bit of money. A year I think it's about 15 pounds something like that it's not much at all I know money is important when you're a medical student I remember those times well yes. <laughs> but it's worth it and there are a lot of free resources out there as well so anything that people need just get them to get in touch with me you can tweet or I'll give you my email okay. and then people can get in touch if you want some more info yeah okay well thank you so much I hope you guys enjoyed that We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did find it helpful, please do share this podcast with others who may also benefit. And make sure to follow us on Instagram at how to become a doctor with Dr. Spelt DR for exclusive quizzes, behind the scenes content, and to stay up to date with all things how to become a doctor.